going on y'all jason here interrupting all of the wonderful draft coverage at climbing the pocket with a special edition special podcast from the one and only saxy prince getting you ready for another event coming up this week um yeah we got endgame so saxy prince decided to go into the booth and give y'all an all 22 film breakdown to get you ready hope you enjoy Hello and welcome to a very unique podcast. You know, we've been getting a lot of draft content lately, so I kind of want to do something a little fun and nerdy. Uh, I know besides the draft, we have another thing coming out this week, Avengers Endgame. Um, I'm super stoked about this movie, and I kind of just wanted to give a recap of the last 11 years. Let's get to it. Okay, well, it's been 11 years in the making. Have to start with uh, the day one, Robert Downey Jr. gets casted as Iron Man. The first Iron Man movie opens in... 2008, I think it really sets the tone as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You kind of really knew where the the humor was going to be at. Um, you know, the action sequences were great. It really just uh, reinvented what we knew as far as the origin story and giving the characters a little bit more of a driving point uh, to, uh, you know, kind of reach this, this destination, this coming-of-age coming story. Uh, I loved the first Iron Man. I thought it was fantastic. John Favreau uh, directed it. Robert Downey Jr. did a fantastic job in that role. Uh, to give a little bit of back uh, backstory, that they stayed a little bit closer to the comics uh, as far as Tony, you know, being being trapped uh, and kidnapped and whatnot, and having to really escape, and really that becoming his inspiration to uh, becoming Iron Man and. It's a little bit different because, I mean, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but Marvel did something um, that they, that they did with some of their characters, some of their heavy hitters, and they really told Robert Downey Jr. to give his interpretation of who he felt Tony Stark to be. Tony Stark in the comics is not what we think of in Iron Man. He's not really a very likable guy, uh, and I think Robert Downey Jr. has made this character very likable, very you know, sarcastic, and... I know it really worked for the character, so uh, really hitting it right in Iron Iron Man one, uh, really setting the tone for you know the future uh, future of the franchise as well as uh, starting this the cinematic universe, the first to really uh, culminate a bunch of different superheroes that one action affects you know potentially affects another movie, um, and I thought this movie was great. There's plenty of action scenes. You got the introduction of the Iron Bonger, which is like which is a supervillain of uh, Tony Stark in the comics. And, uh, you know, re- really seeing him enter into his own as Iron Man. And then obviously the movie ending with him revealing that who he is. So um, that's going to play a bigger role into, uh, in the comics, it, it played a bigger role to another story that I'm going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, but, uh, that, again, this, this movie, I think, was a really good uh, starting point for the Marvel franchise. And with that, you know, I forgot to mention, obviously, all these movies that I'm going to first start talking about is what was known as Phase 1. So uh, that includes about uh, four movies, and then a phase typically ends with an Avengers movie. That's how uh, Marvel really wanted to do it. And it wasn't really noted until after the first Avengers movie, but uh, they, they, they broke it down into three phases. Um, and that's why you're, you're having the story arc be you know, over the course of these phases. 
Moving right along, we move right into The Incredible Hulk. Uh, I did not think this was a great movie. Um, I don't necessarily think it's integral for you to watch it if you are a casual watcher. Uh, but I, I didn't think it was a great movie. Uh, but I understood why Marvel, Marvel did it. They had they had a previous movie on the first Hulk that really wasn't a success. But I did think Edward Norton did a lot with the little he was given with the script and where it was going. Hulk it, he, Hulk suffers from, I, I would say, the, the issue that some of these other super, more superpowered heroes suffer from. When you have a guy who's essentially unstoppable, you know, the, the Supermans, the Incredible Hulks, um, certain aspects of Thor, um, it's really, really hard to capture these characters um, in, in a way because they can't lose, they don't lose very often, and they they don't really lose. So it, it it becomes a thing where you have to create an obstacle for them that um, is is a compelling enough story that really captures the audience. And I don't I don't think this did a really good job with that. There were some definitely some key moments, um, but I just overall don't think it's a great movie. I'd probably recommend just skipping it altogether because I think. You don't even have to be introduced to Edward Orton. You can be introduced to Mark Ruffalo's iteration of Incredible Hulk, and I think he does a really good job balancing uh, both Bruce Banner and Hulk. So, like I said, you could probably just skip this one. Really not too much to the story, um, even though it, it does fit into uh, the overall you know story arc. Iron Man 2 uh, comes in. You know, it's, it's our third film, and obviously in the Phase 1, um, I thought this was a, 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 they were building off the, the success of the first Iron Man. Um, Robert Downey Jr. obviously reprises his role as he will throughout this, uh, these, this last 11 years. And uh, they introduced something that I think was, was really interesting where uh, you really get to see Tony Stark struggle with you know, th- thought he might be dying. Obviously, he's this billionaire playboy philanthropist, like he always says. Um, but this this is a, this is a story that he's he has to have this eternal struggle with. Um, he obviously he, he he loves Pepper Potts. He wants to make sure she's okay, um, and he's really wrestling with. You know, he's gonna die, and he doesn't know how to fix it. But he still wants to save the world. He still wants to be the superhero. Um, so like throughout the, throughout this story, you get introduced to, uh, Mickey Rourke plays, uh, Ivan Manico and, or, and or Whiplash. Uh, I thought Whiplash, it, it's a great character that they introduced. Uh, I just don't like the utilization of him. He, uh, I just think he was underutilized. It was great to have a lot of different players, but, uh, I, I, I don't think that they synthesize his story arc, um, to the best of their abilities, but overall, I think it's still a great movie. Um, I don't really think that this per se is super necessary to watch, uh, but I will say again, if you if you're just a casual fan, um, I would still recommend watching this this movie, though it doesn't play too big of a role in you know where we're leading towards towards the the end of phase one. So we move on to Thor, the very first Thor movie. Uh, Chris Hemsworth plays Thor. Um, Asgardian prince, gonna soon to be king. Um, super arrogant. I think Chris Hemsworth really captured what Thor is. Thor is very arrogant in the comics, um, and he 
doesn't really care about very many things besides his own victories or triumphs. And I, I do think that they stuck really close to, to, to the comics of this movie. Um, you know, you know, his half brother, uh, Loki is, it has always been a, um, a thorn in his side. And I do, do think that they did a really good job putting him as the, as the antagonist in this movie. And again, you get to see, it's another coming of age story where you really get to see Thor having to shed this, this level of arrogance and learn to be, I guess, more human, which is why he's sent to earth. And that, that allows us to connect with his character a lot better. Um, and I, I do think that the, uh, the story had a really good pacing, had a really good humor. That's something that Marvel it really found their you know, formula for the, obviously the first two Iron Man movies. And then they, they kind of brought that into to this, to these Thor movies. Uh, Thor isn't as serious as he sometimes is uh, in the comics, which I think was uh, like a little bit of brevity to, to this story. It, makes it made it move along a little bit better. Um, and uh, I just think that they uh, they did a good job with uh, synthesizing uh, some some uh, uh, you know s- secondary characters as I'll refer to them. I didn't actually mention it in the last uh, when I was talking about Iron Man two, but Iron Man two introduced Black Widow as well too. Now I think this is what Marvel did a really good job with, especially in the first phase, is they allowed us to introduce secondary characters like a Black Widow. And then in uh, Thor, you saw Hawkeye be introduced. And Hawkeye is actually one of my favorite characters. I think he's um, he's a lot more um, fun to have in these stories um, in the comics. But, you know, I, I, I understand that he's played more of a background role in these movies. But uh, Marvel did a really good job because you can introduce other characters without having to give them an entire movie. And I think that's what works with, um, as we'll talk about later, um, works with Hulk as you see him as being either kind of a, a, a co-protagonist or just like kind of a background character as well too. So overall, I would de- you definitely need to watch Thor in my opinion in order to uh, have aspects of the Avengers movie make sense. Uh, but you, uh, I think you also really enjoy this movie. Okay, Captain America, the first Avenger. I have some thoughts, y'all. I do have some thoughts. Now, in, uh, I think it was 2009 when I learned that uh, Chris Evans was going to play Captain America, I was not happy about the casting. I've been perfectly candid and honest about it at that time. I I mean, I was obviously wrong, but uh, I wasn't happy just because I had seen Chris Evans play and, you know, the things that I've seen in Scott Pilgrim... uh, I've seen him in, uh, obviously, in Human, he was the Human Torch in Fantastic Four. Uh, you know, I've seen him in, uh, I think, uh, not another teen movie. So he played he played the sarcastic, funny guy really, really well. And I was worried that he was going to try to step into Cap and make Cap, Captain America, that character. Um, just because in, in the comics, Cap is not, you know, he has a very, very strict moral compass. He is... Uh, I don't want to say serious, but you never really get that that light-hearted humor from him when you read the comics. You strictly read him because he's just uh, he's just such a leader. He's such a Boy Scout. Uh, when it, when Chris Evans came into this role, uh, I think he did a fantastic job um, it, capturing the real tone of what Captain America should be. Uh, I think Chris Evans did 
something that I that I kind of knocked Robert Downey Jr. in and Tony Stark, where I didn't feel like it was Captain America playing Chris Evans. It was Chris Evans playing Captain America or Steve Rogers. And I think that's really important to have that distinction, especially um, as an actor, as well as just these movies, because I really want to see someone different than the, char- than the real-life person that's playing them. And I, I, I will say this, I didn't find this movie great. I didn't think it was uh, a really compelling story. Um, and, you know, in the comics, they, they did stick true to how, you know, Steve essentially sacrifices himself. It's actually like a, a, a missile launch instead of a little uh, uh, plane in the movie that he kind of sets down. And uh, it, it's... I just didn't think it was it was a great storyline. And maybe it was just like I just really couldn't connect with the, the time period that was there. Uh, they did uh, one character I was really really happy with was uh, the woman uh, Peggy Carter, and she ended up getting her own spinoff uh, show for about two seasons and stuff. And they're still hoping to bring that back, but I think the character did. Uh, I think the actress did such a wonderful job uh, playing Peggy Carter, and I think that was one of the the best parts of of this movie overall. It was an origin story, just like the other two were. The origin stories um, wasn't great, but uh, I think it's something that you probably should watch if you're a casual fan, just so that you can kind of make that connection because it really bleeds into uh, the Avengers movie. Now we get to the end of phase one, and we cap it off with an Avengers movie. Now you have to understand, I highly anticipated this movie for such a long time. I knew this is where the stories were heading to with all the you know comic con appearances and whatnot so uh i i was really excited for this movie uh and when i heard that joss whedon who you know has directed things from like firefly and buffy the vampire slayer i knew it was going to be good and it, it it did not disappoint whatsoever to see this many heroes on one screen was, you know, at one point thought to be near impossible, but it was synthesized so well. Um, just a little backstory as far as the uh, movie goes. If you haven't seen it and you're just trying to catch up, um, obviously Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, uh, and also Black Widow, Hulk, and Hawkeye are supposed to, you know, kind of band together and stop Loki. Thor's, uh, Thor's, half brother essentially uh from trying to take over the earth and you know this is where we get introduced into uh or we get reintroduced into a a key item from captain america uh the first avenger in the tesseract which we later find out is actually one of the infinity stones and i'll get into that a little bit later and i thought this movie was great the pacing was fantastic i thought that the the message was really clear as far as where they wanted to go. Uh, not in just in this movie, but as far as the all the uh, movies after this. And just having it be... Um, having such a clear idea of, you know, okay, this character is going to, you know, really fit into this role, and these other characters are going to kind of fit into these other, these other roles. And... I don't know. I just, it's just well done. I, I saw the movie three times in theaters, so I highly recommend that. Uh, if you haven't watched it, definitely uh, important for you to watch before we get to Endgame. 
just kind of sets the stage for it's it's the Avengers origin story. You know, we got we essentially got three origin story, four origin stories prior to uh, the first Avengers, and then this is the Avengers origin story. So I think it's definitely integral to to the plot line. And then we get towards the end of the movie where, uh, you know, a uh, uh, mid credit scene with Thanos essentially being introduced. And, you know, when I saw that, I immediately knew where, where Marvel was going to go. I knew that they were going to take me on this this journey of uh, of Infinity, the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. And it, it was just exciting to see how they have... Uh, just that little teaser gave us gave us so much of where, where what their direction was. So uh, definitely see it if you have not seen it. I think it's fantastic. You really like the story. Okay, now we get into phase two. So um, this is a little bit different because we're going to get a slightly change of tone in, in these in these movies. Uh, it starts right off the way with um, Iron Man three um, and. This is a little bit different because it, it, it since the events of the Avengers, Robert Downey Jr. or excuse me, Tony Stark, it, it's, he's suffering from PTSD. He he is um, still reliving having to see so many aliens, uh, you know, enter into a world that he thought was just based off of you know mathematical equations and science, and now it, it kind of shook his world. So you really see this journey that he has to go on to really rediscover who he is because he's been Iron Man for several years. And I, though I, I think it was probably the weakest of the Iron Man films, uh, they, I know they went a, a different direction as far as directors. Um, John Favreau did, did direct this one. I know he did the first two, but he didn't direct this one. And I thought the movie was just okay. You know, again, I, I don't actually feel like this movie was that integral. Um, I actually thought the, the, the second Iron Man was actually more important. And there's some theories around that when in the second Iron Man totally creates that new element. Some are saying that it's the same energy and frequency that the Tesseract actually has. Um, get into that a little bit later, but uh, if you wanted to skip a, a movie uh, in Phase 2, this would probably be the movie to do, to do so. I, I don't think it adds very much as far as uh, the overall uh, Infinity War storyline, but uh, I think it's still good if you love Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr., uh, this is great to watch. Now we move into Thor 2. Um, you know, obviously after the events of Avengers, everyone kind of goes their own way. Thor kind of returns back to uh, his home world uh, and I guess the rest of the other realms in which they're all in strife right now. They're all uh, having issues and Thor essentially has to take it upon himself to go and solve that. And again, I I thought this was a weaker film and I also don't think it's really that integral to the storyline. The the only thing that you really glean out of this is the Aether, Aether, excuse me, which uh, as you find out, becomes one of the, the six infinity stones. Uh, so there's not much that that you really get from this film. I just I didn't think it was a really strong film. I thought Chris Chris Hemsworth did still is doing a really good job capturing Thor, uh, but he's he's shifted a little bit now. You know this this is a Thor who has become more humble, has uh, you know still confident, but 
there's not that level of arrogance that you saw in the first film. So his his character becomes a little bit more bland, and I think I think the supporting characters become more important to, you know, lifting him up. So overall, I just think didn't think the storyline was that that enticing. I know they tried to introduce the dark elves uh, as well as Malekith. Um, and I still think that they did a fantastic job with obviously with costume design as well as makeup art, uh, but just just not not the greatest film. Again, another film I think you can skip, and uh, you know I hate to say that this is now two films that I'm, I'm recommending skipping. But uh, if again if you're a casual fan and you want to get through uh, the important movies, I wouldn't say that this is one of them. However, I will say that you would probably miss a little bit of. Uh, one of the Infinity Stones in which they do talk about quite a bit in this in this story. Okay, shifting gears. Um, I told you that I did not like the first Captain America, Captain America, uh, the first Avenger. Uh, that completely changed. Uh, and, it, and it got, this movie, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, got me from the trailers. Uh, the thing that, that captured me the most was, uh, I just saw the scene where Cap's kind of running through all these hallways jumps from building to building, chasing, chasing the Winter Soldier, throws, you know, his uh, his shield. The Winter Soldier just catches it, throws it right back at him. Uh, I thought that that was fantastic uh, choreography, and I think that that's what really stands out about this movie, is the previous movie, I felt like it felt limited in the, the effects that they could do it felt limited in like the choreography that they could they could do based on the times, but this this movie felt right off the bat that it was going to be a different paced movie and it was. Um, I saw Chris Chris Evans, excuse me, I keep making that mistake, uh, step into even further into who Cap was, and you really get to see, uh, you know, how he his moral compass really drives who he is, and in this movie. There are so many memes that came out of it, but this movie is a little bit... I think this movie is actually really integral to uh, the, the storylines that, that happen after it, just because you witness the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Hydra really arises from its ranks, and you, it spurs a lot of different characters out of that. Uh, you know, you, you obviously get the Winter Soldier. Black Widow comes back into this movie, which is really great. I think, again, she's done a really good job with... You know, though she's been a secondary character, uh, re- doing a really good job with... Uh, I guess bolstering a portion of the story that you know didn't necessarily need her, but that the fact that she was there uh, made it that much more um, exciting. Again, I think the choreography in this movie was fantastic, uh, really well done. Uh, they, they every scene seemed to ramp it up as far as the the uh, the how the battle sequences are were kind of laid out, the fight sequences and stuff. So. I think I think this movie had one of the most iconic uh, 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 scenes that I've ever I've seen in a movie. Um, I, I know that might sound a little bit hyperbolic, but you know it's the scene where uh, when you watch the movie, there's a scene where Chris Evans, Captain America, is is in an elevator, and all these guys get into the elevator with him, and he starts to notice that obviously something something's wrong, and he just says. Point blank, yo, before we get started, does anyone want to get out? And then, like, this epic fight just ensues in an elevator. And, again, it's just, like, the little things that Marvel did in Phase 2 to step it up a notch because they knew that they had to. They could give you the same story 
from phase one. So again, I highly recommend this movie. I think you should go out and check it, check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, I think it'll make you fall in love with Captain America a lot more. Uh, and then it's also a storyline that keeps playing on throughout uh, the next phase that we're going to get into in a little bit. Okay, um, I know that not very many people are going to like me when I say this, but uh, the next film I'm going to talk about is Guardians of the Galaxy, and I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, and it, it goes back to one point that I had made before. Um, I'll get uh, I'll mention this first. So the Guardians of the Galaxy... Um, storylines obviously a bunch of uh different personality types that happen to find themselves together they join they they kind of join together become a team and uh they kind of become like a, a mini avengers team but for space chris pratt uh it gets casted as star lord um and i i think the casting was okay but here's my problem it goes back to Here's, here's a side of the coin that I think didn't work, whereas Robert Downey Jr. did work. So when I had mentioned before about Robert Downey Jr., like Iron Man essentially, or Tony Stark essentially being a Robert Downey Jr., um, I think this is a side of coin that I didn't like. I don't feel as if Chris Pratt is playing Star-Lord. I think Star-Lord was playing Chris Pratt. And if you look at a lot of the movies that Chris Pratt has been in lately... Uh, you can see that that sarcastic, you know, uh, one-liner type humor is there. And I don't really think that that's Star-Lord. You know, I think Star-Lord's a little bit more of a... Uh, I, I don't necessarily want to say he's a Captain America type guy. He does have, like, a, a, a moral compass, but he's very clearly the leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I don't get that sense with Chris Pratt. I think he always seems to be the butt of the joke. And it, it doesn't make me like or respect his character as much. And knowing that he's the leader, he's the captain. And I, and I have to ask myself, well, why? You know, because in my opinion, Gamora is way more of a leader than anything else. And then I would say, like, Rocket Raccoon is the, is the next leader. Uh, I think, I don't think that this story is super uh, important for you to watch. Um, I think you could probably get everything you need to get out of these, these characters. Uh, probably in the next movie, but I would say, you know, it, it's an origin story. You know, they they needed to introduce these character, this character, these characters in, in, uh, in a sense, at some point before they're in a major movie like the, you know, another Avengers movie. So uh, I don't recommend going to watch this one. Uh, it's a, it's really just a story of a bunch of, bunch of mis misfits who become a team. And, you know, we've kind of seen that storyline done a few times. But, you know, there's some, there's some good jokes in there. There's, uh, uh, you get to see Chris Pratt really take a transformation uh, from where he was at Parks and Rec and then becoming, like, this kind of, like, really shredded, ripped dude for Marvel. So, uh, you know, Zoe Zaldana does a really good job as Gamora. And, you know, but Dave Bautista does a great job at, as, as Drax. I think he does a really good job capturing that character because, uh Rex is very literal <laughs> when it comes to all that stuff. Um, and then, you know, as far as Rocket Raccoon and Groot, you know, they're obviously done uh, really well. Uh, I guess mostly just my hang-up is, is Chris Pratt's uh, Star-Lord. I just don't, I don't like, I don't like him in that role uh, just because I don't think he's, uh, I don't think that he is having to stretch himself to, to play the role. And mind you, 
I, I'll say this. I, I I don't consider myself a comic book snub where I'm like the type of guy who's like, oh, that's not what happens in the comics. So therefore, uh, you know, it. I hate it because it's not in the movie. My 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 take has always been, uh, you know, I just like all the other comics. A lot of these comics, they have so much iterations. They have different writers for writing. You know, some of the same storylines, but they're maybe bending a little bit from the source material from the origins. Um, and I, that's what I expect for the Marvel movies. I expect them to give me the, essentially another comic book iteration of of this, and have that be one iteration that I I I, I absorb. And uh, I just don't feel like I, I liked Chris Pratt that much in in this. So, like I said, you could you could choose to go see it if you're a casual fan, but uh, that's not one I recommend. Now, Avengers: Age of Ultron. I I remember being super excited for this film, and I know that I, I've said that a few times about a few movies, but um, I knew that the Avengers needed to face a really, really big uh, villain for this movie to work for the second film. Um, I thought it was going to be Thanos, obviously, because they introduced Thanos in the last Avengers post credit scene, but they didn't, and uh, it, it made sense. It's like, okay, well, fighting Thanos is too soon just because he's such a big bad, and I knew the Avengers were going to lose to him. So introducing Ultron was definitely a, a right choice, you know, Josh Reed uh, takes up the helm again to to write and direct this film, and I, I got to be honest, I don't think the film was that great. Um, I remember being super excited for it, and then just like it not meeting my expectations. Um, and and as far as the storyline, obviously, so you're not bringing together a lot of these the guys from the, the previous team. They're now operating more as a team. You know, Hulk gets a little bit of a a, a unique turn where where he's uh, he's really stepping into his hero role, um, and uh, you know the rest of the team is just operating together as as they they've been operating for a while. So obviously you introduce uh, Baron Zemo. I kind of really like the way they did Baron Zemo um, from the comics. He's kind of like this. He's in this like really pink suit. He's uh, he is kind of a big bad amongst uh, in the comics and whatnot. Uh, but they kind of limited his role. Uh, good and bad, I, I, w- I would say, because I didn't want them to uh, spend so much of their time on Baron Zemo, but they were able to introduce, uh, you know, Wanda Maximoff and uh, Quicksilver, uh, which was great. And at the time, Marvel was kind of struggling with their licensing as far as they couldn't really call, uh, you know, the mutants, but we all knew that they were mutants, but they called, called them miracles. So, it was uh, it was uh, it was interesting spin on how how they chose to do things. But again, this movie wasn't great. I I, I, I in the comics, Age Ultron is essentially created by Hank Pym, who is an original founding member of the Avengers. Uh, Hank Pym is hasn't been introduced into storyline at this point. He does in the next film I'm going to review, uh, which is Ant Man. And he helps. Cre- he he really is the one that creates Ultron with the help of Tony Stark. But uh, in, in this, he hadn't been introduced yet, so it obviously made sense to more create Ultron through Tony Stark's, you know, ego as well as you know with the help of Bruce Banner. So they they create him. 
Uh, my issue with, with Ultron was I think Davis Bader was a fantastic choice. I think he truly captured the the essence of Ultron's voice and just his how maniacal he could be. Uh, but I, my issue was it is that his his creation and how he started off it, it felt a little bit inorganic because he went from uh, where am I where's my body to I need to exterminate the Avengers like there was no there was no build up there was like okay why did he go from uh, that wanting to know where his body was to wanting to, to murder uh, or as he said ex- make extinct the Avengers it didn't make any sense to me uh, but I, I think, again, you were able to introduce so many secondary characters. Uh, you were able to introduce uh, uh, Scarlet Witch, Wanda Maximoff. You were able to introduce uh, Quicksilver. And then you also were able to introduce, inter, introduce Vision. And I thought Vision is really integral to uh, some of the future storylines just because of what he is. He's a different kind of character, a different kind of superhero. And... I think when you had when you were dealing with you know <laughs> Norse gods or the Hulks or you know Iron Man, you, you do need to start branching out in how you are introducing these characters. And it was a good film that I think did. I, I think the best thing they did was able to introduce characters that we were going to see in the next couple of films. Um, but although overall, not really that great of a storyline. I do think you have to watch it just so that you understand because Thor does finally introduce the infinity uh, stones to to us as the viewers and then it kind of really cements what we as maybe more of the nerdy fans knew that okay yeah they're definitely moving towards the infinity gauntlet storyline um, and Thor kind of reveals that um, I do think what one thing the film does really really well is to show the dichotomy between Tony Stark and Steve Rogers and how Tony Stark is very much a futurist. He wants to fix the problem 20 years down the road right now. And obviously that creates friction between he and Captain America because Captain America pretty plainly says every time a, uh, someone tries to end a war before it starts, innocent people die. And it's just, again, you get to see the dichotomy between these two viewpoints in which... Um, you kind of sympathize with both sides of that. So that internal struggle that's that's within the Avengers is actually a really, really nice piece. Uh, the, the movie definitely ends with Hulk, you know, going off into space. I knew as soon as I saw that, that they were going to introduce the, the Planet Hulk storyline. I didn't think it was going to be, uh, I didn't think it would be great to just have that storyline. So when I get into that, that portion of things, I'll, I'll mention that. But, uh, it, it was great because this movie at least gave us a few little uh, nuggets to kind of hold on to for, for future films. Uh, last movie of the Phase 2, I won't talk too much about it. It's Ant-Man. Um, I was a little skeptical when I when it was announced that Ant-Man was going to be getting his own movie. Um, I knew that they weren't going to be introducing Hank Pym. They wanted to go with Scott Lang round. I get why they did it. Um, I would have really loved to have Hank Pym, but... Uh, you know, obviously hindsight, I think it's great that they, they, they went that route just because you're going to introduce a character like uh, Paul Rudd, who I think is doing a great job, Scott Lang. 
it, it's this is actually one of those things where I, I guess I'm going to kind of reverse course again and I'm going to say, you know, I, I don't know if he's this Scott Lang or Paul Rudd's definitely playing Scott Lang. It might feel like we're Scott Lang playing Paul Rudd, but it works because I, I, I think I think you the, it, this film kind of makes fun of itself in a sense and uh, you know not to take it too seriously, which I think really works for it. Uh, who you do still get to introduce, get introduced to Hank Pym, as well as you get to introduce to uh, Hope Van Dyne, which is the daughter of Janet Van Dyne, who's uh, the wife of Hank Pym, and uh, those those two, uh, Hope Van Dyne and uh, Hank Pym, is is uh, you know they're one of the founding members of the Avengers in the comic books, so you have to introduce those characters in some way even if they're not going to be integral to, to the group because you already have this, this team that's established. So uh, I don't think it's integral to the storyline. Uh, you, you do get introduced to this character, and that, that will end up showing up later. So uh, I would actually recommend watching this, even though I didn't feel like it was a great film, just so that you can see, hear some of the little jokes that are made and callbacks and stuff to... Uh, some of the other films that we're going to get into in Phase 3. So as far as a little recap of Phase 2, I, I do feel like of the, the three phases that we've been through, it's the weakest of the, the phase phases. I, I do think that uh, Marvel tried to... I think that they knew that they needed to raise the bar, and I think they tried too hard to do that. Um and it felt really organic. They took a little bit, so they took some darker tones um, with a lot of their storytelling. Like I was saying, as far as Iron Man, you know, obviously it was really much of a, you know, he was kind of off on his own for a little bit, trying to figure out who he was. Um, and, you know, Thor Dark World was a little bit darker. Uh, Captain America, though it is, I think, so lighthearted, I think there's aspects of it that's, that could be a little bit dark. Uh, so I, I just feel like phase two was not well done, well done, but I think it was necessary to kind of lead us into phase three. So phase three, I think, starts off very, very strong with one of my favorite comic book uh, storylines is the Civil War storyline. Uh, they, they, they synthesize it with Captain America, so it becomes Captain America Civil War. So I'll tell you a little bit about the, the storyline. So basically, this, the the comic book starts where um, there are a number of villains and superheroes who are essentially, uh, you know, they're trying to do good for the world, and they end up, uh, you know, it's, some smaller superheroes end up essentially causing a bigger mess than they need, uh, than they intended to which really causes the rest of the world to be like, yo, I think we're having an issue with these superheroes because they're unchecked. So basically there becomes a superhero registration act in which the superheroes essentially are told you need to unmask and you need to essentially become essentially a police officer um, and be trained in and, you know, collect a paycheck and be registered just like every other uh, law enforcement and that becomes a problem, and it becomes Captain America on one side and Tony Stark on the other. Now, uh, there's a number of big name things that happen here. 
so just to tell you a little bit of the backstory as far as what Marvel was dealing with at the time. Marvel was dealing with, they had basically shot Captain America Civil War for the most part. And uh, a, a deal with Disney uh, happens with uh, Fox and they acquire uh, some creative rights to uh, Peter Parker's Spider-Man. It, it just wrapped up with The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Movies weren't doing really that great, so they decided they wanted to go a different direction. Marvel acquired some of the rights, so they were able to squeeze in Spider-Man into this film. Uh, in, this, in the comics, uh, the reason why this storyline is so important is because a lot of superheroes were told to unmask. The uh, kind of the... Uh, the heart of that storyline was actually Spider-Man and Peter Parker because he decides that he unmasked and that shocks the world uh, as Peter Parker just kind of coming out and saying like, hey, I'm, I've been Spider-Man this entire time. Um, my wife and kids are okay with it. And I, you know, decided to come in out. He thinks he's doing the right thing. Uh, Tony Stark convinces him. He thinks he's doing the right thing. Uh, it turns out uh, it goes not the best way and uh, they start this the superheroes start to fight amongst themselves thus the civil war and, and uh, actually one of the superheroes gets killed by by uh, Thor Android that they create and then really it becomes a thing it's like hey what are we fighting what fighting each other for uh, this storyline it, it includes all the superheroes that are out there so they Eventually, try to it's they essentially trying to like recruit each other. Uh, both sides are trying to recruit the X Men. They try to recruit the Fantastic Four, um, and you know people are really picking and choosing sides, and it really it's really heart wrenching because it really tears apart a lot of the heroes that you love. You know, uh, Fantastic uh, Reed Richards and Sue uh, Storm or Sue Sue Richards. Their marriage gets destroyed because of because of this. Um, Iron uh, Spider Man uh, essentially chooses Tony Stark's side to start, and then he decides, that, "Yo, I made a huge mistake," um, and decides to join Cap's side. But then, obviously, once uh, Goliath, he sees the guy who ends up superhero ends up getting killed. Uh, everyone kind of decides, like, "Yo, I think this is it. This isn't what we wanted. We wanted to, you know." We don't see it eye, eye to eye, but we never wanted any of us to die. So uh, the 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 Marvel had to go a little bit of a different route. The Marvel Cinematic you just had to go a different route. They they didn't have the rights to Spider Man, so he could be that that heart and soul of the movie the way he probably could have been if they already had him. Um, as well as instead of doing a superhero registration, they they kind of still do a superhero registration act, but they call it the Sokovia Accords in which the, the heroes now have to be essentially just registered. Um, so there's not as much identity stuff that becomes a huge plot line. But this movie does such a good job with, uh, again, it introduces a few other characters. You know, it introduces uh, Black Panther to the storyline, and Black Panther is really important to have to the Marvel Cinematic Universe just because uh, he he's... A, Incredibly intelligent, uh, he acts as, a, as a, a leader and constantly challenges the Avengers with the way that they think about the world because he's coming from 
you know, one of those places where it's like a, it's a different country who has a different culture, different set of rules, and he really helps them to uh, think about things in a little bit more of a unique light. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, fantastic choice. Uh, I thought he was very badass. I thought he was very, uh, you know, very confident in himself. And I think it was a really good way to introduce his character. Um, and this was, this was, was like, this was kind of like, I don't think this movie would have been as successful if they had done it in like phase, a phase two, uh, just because phase one was the first time we were seeing so many characters on the screen together. And I think it was, um, really cool to see that for the first time. And then when they did it again, it was like, okay, this be, this is becoming more of the norm. So we can kind of absorb these many personality types and, uh, you know, characters and on, on the screen at one time. And I think that was only possible for this film to do as well as it did because of the fact that uh, they had so much success there. Uh, I think as a storyline is, it's highly important. I, this is definitely not a movie you could skip. Uh, just because it leads into the next Avengers movie. And um, yeah, I, I, I highly recommend watching this one because I think there's there's so many good things that happen here. So I'm going to knock out these next couple ones pretty quickly here. Uh, Doctor Strange is the next film in the in the in phase three. Uh, I wasn't happy. Not a, I don't want to say I wasn't happy about it, but I, uh, I was still a little bit reluctant as far as uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, being uh, Doctor Strange. But I think he he really truly captures the. Uh, there's a level of arrogance <laughs> that comes with Doctor Strange uh, before he becomes the you know the master of mystical arts. Uh, but there, I think he does a really good job with something that I talk about often. I think as these actors get selected, you know, they have, they have three jobs, you know, they have, they could play their, you know, the, um, the, the, the character, you know, you could play the Steve Rogers, you could play the Captain America, and then you have to play them both working at the same time. And I think Benedict Cumberbatch, much like some others do a really good job with playing those three roles um, because that's what that's what those characters have to do. That's what the actors have to do. They have to, again, they're essentially be multiple characters on screen and having the ability to shift between those two, and then also bringing those worlds together and see how it affects them. Um, I think this movie is you you have to kind of watch uh, just because it introduced Doctor Strange. He's he's so integral to the next couple of movies that that we're we are going to talk about and you might have seen but uh he introduces a lot of different things he introduces more magic into the world that is uh the marvel cinematic universe but he also introduces you could kind of see him going through the different dimensions as well too and i think that's really important um just because i think that's where marvel's going to head towards because we basically lived on earth for the first couple of phases outside of like thor really um, and then this allowed us to get outside of Earth uh, a little bit just so that we could see more of a, a, a unique uh, perspective on these characters. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, uh, not much to say about it. I don't think it's integral to the storyline. I, I personally recommend skipping it. I don't think it was a great film. Um, it was great to, to see these characters interact again. They're more of a team in this movie. Um, 
I do think what it does is it it kind of shows how well these characters can work uh, independently, and that's actually really important because you'll see when we start to talk about uh, the Avengers movie, you you really get to see how well like this team doesn't have to be together in order to work. Uh, but uh, this film was just okay to me. Um, they tried to introduce the. Uh, the Celestials into it. Uh, and I think that's, it was, they tried to go too big, in my opinion, because the Celestials are actually, within the comics, they're actually one of the, the, the major beats in the in the universe. So uh, I, I just didn't think it was a great film. But, you know, if you want to watch it, you definitely can, but I would recommend just skipping it for some of these other movies. Okay, Spider-Man Homecoming. Um... So Spider-Man got introduced into Captain America Civil War. I was super excited um, because Spider-Man is my favorite superhero of all time. Um, and I do, I do think that they're, they did a really good job giving him kind of an origin story without going through the whole killing Uncle Ben again. And I uh, went with a younger Peter Parker, which I think is really important to do um, just because of the comic books. Peter Parker isn't as old as Captain America, obviously, and Tony Stark. So he really looks up to these guys, even though he eventually comes into his own as a leader within the Marvel Universe. Uh, this movie, I think, was great. I think it had good timing, good pacing. Uh, the jokes felt really natural. Um, it, it was a good... Tom Holland did a really good job in his casting with balancing, you know, those, again, like I said, those, those, those three things that you have to do to really play a superhero. And uh, the story was was great. It introduced Vulture um, and, you know, gave us some, uh, it gave us a little bit of a uh, snapshot because I know that they're going the Sinister Six route with Scorpion uh, Mysterio, which is a film that's going to come out after Endgame. Uh, Mysterio, Scorpion, um, Vulture, uh, the Rhino, and uh, Shocker is another one. Uh, if I didn't already mention him, I'm missing one. I'm missing one. Um, it's uh, the lizard, I believe it is. But yeah, it's something that Spider-Man has to deal with, and I think they're slowly bringing those things, those characters on, which is really nice. Uh, this, this, the, the dynamic between Tom Holland and Michael Keaton, the chemistry that they have, I think, was really good. Uh, just because there were so many epic moments. But I think what this 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 film did really well. It happened towards like when the film was at towards the climax of their uh, of the film, where uh, Peter Parker essentially gets trapped under a bunch of rubble just because he gets tricked, and you really truly feel like Spider Man or Peter Parker is still a kid again. You know, he's crying out for help, and sometimes you the way that these superhero movies are they're made is like these superheroes like they they don't need any help they're they've kind of figured their way in the world as a superhero and they have it all figured out but you know to show a level of vulnerability with some of these characters it, it, it's really important it helps you connect with them because you know if you were a superhero and you had super strength but you happen to find yourself in that precarious situation you know you would probably yell out help as well too so uh I think great choice for for Marvel, and I think they're only going to continue to build off of it.
Now, we finally get to uh, Thor Ragnarok. I know I had mentioned this in uh, uh, my Age of Ultron uh, breakdown, but uh, they, I, as soon as I knew it was introduced that Thor Ragnarok was going to get on, I knew that storyline, uh, the Asgard was going to get destroyed. It had to get destroyed. Um, so, But the, the other thing that they did really well, because I think that Thor suffers from you know what Superman suffers from, as well as Hulk suffers from, in which he's just not a compelling character because he can't lose very often. He's just too powerful, you know? And when you have a superhero that doesn't have very many physical weaknesses or limitations, it makes it really hard for you to um, connect with the character a little bit more so. Kind of like Iron, Iron Man. So if, if Tony Stark was without his suit, you know, it, he becomes more mortal, right? And same thing with Cap. If you, you know, obviously he's a super soldier, but you know, Cap can get his his butt whooped just like any other person can get his butt whooped. Obviously, he takes a little bit more. So with 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 a character like Thor, it, it you needed to have something else that he was having to fight against. And they brought in Hulk in his storyline with the uh, Planet Hulk storyline. So brief little mention as far as that Planet Hulk story arc is. So basically, Hulk goes on a rampage in the comics, and it gets to the point where the superheroes are kind of at their wits end. They don't know what to do. So I think Tony Stark and a few others devise a plan to send Hulk into space. Uh, they succeed, and they trap him on a desolate I, uh, planet in which he just essentially has to fend for himself. He becomes part of. He becomes his gladiator, or whatever the case is. Really gets into his own, falls in love, actually. And um, it turns out that uh, the, 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 the spaceship that he comes, goes in was actually rigged to, to blow up. So, like, the superheroes kind of wanted to kill him. Uh, really sad storyline. It ends with Thor, or not Thor, but Hulk uh, not dying, but being really, really pissed about the fact that he, he felt tricked and then manipulated, and then uh, in the hopes that they were going to kill him, but they ended up just killing everyone else, including his his wife, and I think I think they were going to have a child too. So they said. So back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they synthesized these two storylines where Hulk has to, you know, with that Hulk's you know sis, older sister Hela, she comes to Asgard, wreaks havoc kind of really starts, you know, the initiates Ragnarok and then uh, and then Hulk essentially, who is really not much of a match for her, uh, has to kind of like rediscover who he is because she destroys his his hammer. Uh, again, and they introduce the Planet Hulk storyline with this and I think going with those two storylines together, I think separately they would have been really poorly done but together, it allowed you to establish a level of pacing that kind of you could play with both story arcs. So, really well done. I think you should watch it because this this movie is the best movie that links directly into the the third Avengers movie, and uh, they, their their last scene really kind of uh, captures that. Okay, so uh, it's no secret that I absolutely love uh, this next movie. Uh, Black Panther. I thought it was so well done. 
and the anticipation the anticipation around it like didn't even do it justice for how good this movie was um and the reason why this movie was so good is because it didn't feel like a superhero movie uh, it went off the beat path in which you stripped off most of the cost superhero costumes more of the explosions and all other stuff that we 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 loved in the previous films and this was just you know this was about culture this was about uh you know uh social dust justice this was about uh, you know identity uh they asked the question who are you who am i often in the in the story because that's such an important thing i i think with more especially within the black community or just uh, the communities of color is really to identifying who who you are and uh, uh who you will become and i i think the storyline just this story just did such a really good job uh, because it again, it didn't feel like a uh, a Marvel a superhero movie. It just felt like a regular movie that just happened to have superheroes attached to it. Uh, and this this becomes uh, an expansion origin story, just because he's already taken up the mantle of Black Panther, T'Challa, uh, played by Chadwick Boseman. And the really the bright spots in this movie are the women. Like the women, like you have uh, Nakia, who is this like really great kind of assassin type, you know, uh, rebel who she she's doing a lot of her good work outside of the the, the country of Wakanda. Uh, you have Okoye, who's the king of essentially of the the king's like personal bodyguard and. And then you have uh, Shuri, who is the you know the brains of all the technology that's happening in the uh, in, in Wakanda. Now, how this deviates a little bit from from the comics, uh, they don't really show uh, T'Challa's intellect very much. Uh, I think they kind of are compartmentalized that to to part of his personality put a little bit more on Shuri. Not to say that Shuri's not a highly intelligent, uh, but uh, one of the things that Chadwick, or not Chadwick, but Black Panther actually does within the comics is he really shows his intelligence. And he's actually uh, one of the scientists in in, uh, in Wakanda, and he brings a lot of his technology and knowledge to the Avengers. He, he actually challenges the Avengers quite a bit. Uh, so his importance within this this universe was is highly important. Definitely need to recommend that you watch it just because... Uh, like the previous film, Thor Ragnarok, this this film bleeds into the next film, and it becomes a, a mainstay as far as uh, as far as how important it is to the the storyline. Well, one of the saddest movies in like uh, movie history is Avengers: Infinity War. Now, this movie follows the loosely follows the Infinity Gauntlet storyline as well as the Infinity War so- storyline. Uh, in, in the Infinity uh, Gauntlet storyline, uh, so if you haven't seen the movie, uh, you can obviously go, go on Netflix or anything. It's, it's, it, there are plenty of places free to watch. But essentially what happens at the end of the movie is this, Thanos does this giant snap. It kills uh, half of the universe. Now, in the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, the comics, uh, that snap actually happens towards the beginning of the comics. So... Uh, Thanos does his snap, and uh, let me preface it with this. Uh, so in the comics, Thanos' motivation for the snap 
when he does a symbol of infinity, uh, infinity stones, is he wants to impress Lady Death. So she's the physical manifestation of death. She's this woman. He's highly in love with her. He just wants to impress her. And he does this to impress her, and she continues to slight him. Now, uh, one of the uh, endings in the mid credit scene when they introduce Thanos and the first Avengers movie is you see the other essentially talking to Thanos and says, uh, the humans aren't to, you know, be kind of trifled with, uh, to mess with them, beats to court death. Um, I knew what it meant, and I think Marvel did a really good job with their writing because they wrote it this way. Because in the storylines, he is trying to court death. He, he's in love with her, and he wants to, uh, he wants to impress her. And, and fast forward, they, they, I think they did a good job with not introducing Lady Death because it, it, it would have taken away from the storyline in itself but what they do in Infinity War is they make Thanos a protagonist they make his his story the uh, the reason why we're watching it and essentially they make they make the Avengers but I think even more so I would say probably Iron Man and Thor are the actual antagonist of this story arc because I think their motivations are the clearest as far as what they want to do with Thanos uh so this movie's fantastic. I think, again, you're balancing all these characters that you've brought into these characters and these worlds that you essentially brought into the Marvel Cinematic Universe for 10 years. You know, you have, you have, you brought it, you just recently brought in Wakanda, so that becomes a, a stopping ground for a huge battle. You, obviously, the Guardians of the Galaxy and Doctor Strange, because they have that dimension of space and or, you know, the art, the magic arts. Um, and then you have, uh, you know Thor going on this uh, this mission because he had his hammer destroyed and he wants to forge a new weapon. Uh, he forges a new weapon called Stormbreaker in this in this movie. Uh, so one character that hasn't really been introduced into the Thor comics or Thor's uh, movies is a guy named Beta Ray Bill. Beta Ray Bill is essentially one of the guys in, in a, uh, one of the Nine Realms, uh, and essentially he takes up the mantle of kind of a Thor-like character. And his weapon is called Stormbreaker. It's really similar to the weapon that uh, Thor ends up getting. And, uh, but instead, they decided to not go that route. But you can actually, if you go back to the Thor Ragnarok, you can actually see there is a little uh, battle tower that they have. You can actually see a picture of Beta Ray Bill on it. Uh, so that, that was their little uh, um, montage, I guess you would say, to, to him. But... Uh, yeah, he, he forged his new weapon. Um, it's not... In the movie, it makes it seem as if it's stronger than the Infinity Gauntlet. It's not. Uh, but oh, oh, overall, this movie is fantastic. Uh, it's obviously high... You have to watch it. <laughs> I think if you're going to watch to enjoy Avengers Endgame, just because this is kind of like the... I won't, I won't say the first half, because everything from what I've been hearing about this movie is it doesn't feel like two parts. It feels like two separate movies. But obviously, there's going to be ramifications from this movie into that movie. So, uh, you have to watch it. I think another unique thing about this film is that they all the team mashups that they did that we couldn't see before. So, obviously, having Tony Stark working with the Guardians, part of the Guardians of the Galaxy, having uh, you know Captain working with uh, you know Black Panther and Wakanda and stuff. Uh, so, yeah, it's a fantastic film. Highly recommend it. Definitely go and watch it just to get yourself prepared for Endgame. 
Uh, wrapping it up, last couple films, Ant-Man and the Wasp comes out after uh, Infinity War. Uh, really not a great film. Uh, it's Again, I think it's just meant for lighthearted humor, uh, lighthearted humor just to kind of fill that space between uh, you know the next couple films that are supposed to come out the next year. Uh, not a great movie, but it does introduce one important thing that I think it forces you to have to watch this movie in which they introduce the Quantum Realm. So the Quantum Realm is going to be something that I know uh, just from watching the trailers and stuff they're going to introduce. Quantum Realm is just a place that it messes with time and space um, and I think that's how the, the, the Avengers are going to one of the tools they're going to use to, to combat Thanos and all the evil things that he's done. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's where, where that this movie really, I guess, does it any justice. So uh, although I didn't like the movie, I still think that you should watch it just because you'll get a little bit more of that background. Last movie, um, I went to go see this movie, uh, I think opening weekend, just because I needed to... Need to digest it. Um, so Captain Marvel, she's also been known as Miss Marvel, but she's been more, I would say, more recently rebranded as Captain Marvel. Understands she's one of the most powerful superheroes uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and also in the Marvel Comics. Uh, she is uh, essentially kind of part Cree in a sense, uh, depending on the iteration that you, you read about. I didn't think this movie was this movie was not bad at all. Uh, I think it's high. I think it was entertaining. I think Brie Larson is such a likable character, such a likable actress. Uh, so I get why Marvel chose her. Uh, they're the seeds that that you're supposed to like Captain Marvel, or you're supposed to like Carol Danvers, and because Brie Larson does be the likable person so well, it's so so natural and organic. Uh, the things that I think she struggles with in this movie is when she really has to be that superhero, when she really has to be that take charge, I'm this powerful being. I just feel like it, it doesn't feel organic. It doesn't feel like it's really her. In the comics, this is this is where I'll say say about this. In the comics, Carol Danvers is I she's a lot closer to Tony Stark and Thor than I, I think sometimes talked about. She's really arrogant. Right, and I think that that play that could have played really, really well if they went that route, but I think that they didn't really want us to dislike Carol Danvers in this movie. But I think that that might be a, I, I think it's something something that we just need to get over. Like there, there are women who are <laughs> arrogant, and they should be arrogant because they're really good at what they do. Uh, not that I'm advocating for arrogance. I'm just saying that we should just allow some agency as far as you know. Some of like uh, obviously we watch films with. Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark was being highly arrogant. We didn't really care. We thought it was funny. Thor was being arrogant. We didn't care. We thought it was cute, funny, all that stuff. I think we should allow that same agency as far as this this person. And I and here's what I'll say. I think this was this film was very similar in the respects to Captain America: The First Avenger, in which they struggle to find a good way to do their origin story. And. And with that, it's only going to. Pro- I, I think it, it makes it that much better because it's it's a it's a problem I know that Marvel's going to fix, which I think is going to help propel the character that much further. Because now Carol Danvers, she's supposed to be uh, the new face of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like she's going to take up that Captain America mantle. Um, I'm not going to say if Captain America dies. I think he does, but 
I, I really hope that this film would have established her more as a, as a leader, as a go get them. And we might see that in the end game, but uh, we might not. So, well, you know, we'll see. But overall, I thought this movie was just okay. Um, they, they, had a, they had two sor- origin stories here. They had Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, and then they also had uh, Nick Fury. I just think that uh, they, the writing for Nick Fury up until this point has been really, really great. But in this movie, I think it fell short because it did feel like the Nick Fury we knew. And it didn't feel like I was being put down a path where I could see where Nick Fury became the Nick Fury we know in today's day and age. Um, so I, all in all, I just thought the film was just okay. But I do think she's going to improve, and I think we're going to really like her moving forward, especially in Endgame and, and beyond. Uh, last point is uh, something that Marvel kind of came up with. Uh, so this Infinity Gauntlet War storyline, uh, Marvel's referring to these as sagas. Um, so, you know, I was talking about, the, obviously, the phases that we have. and But Marvel's also obviously saying that this overarching story that we've got about Thanos and the Infinity Stones and stuff has basically been one saga. I think what they're going to start doing moving forward is they're going to start uh, introducing several sagas at one time and then kind of culminating it into what they've done for these 22 films and, um, you know, ending it on a, a, on a really high note. But... Anyways, I, you know, I appreciate you guys, you know, if you're still, still with me, I appreciate you guys listening to this breakdown. Um, I hope that helps for, you know, kind of casual fans who don't want to sit down and watch 22 films back to back. Um, I'm really excited for Endgame. I don't really have any huge theories on it uh, outside of, I know that they're going to introduce the Quantum Realm a little bit more so than they did in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, But I appreciate you guys, you know, listening to it. If you have any comments or feedback, you can Always feel free to shoot me a DM. You know, this is your your guy, Saxy Prince, a.k.a. Yinka Allende, um, from the Climbing Pocket. And we, appreci- we always appreciate, you know, all the support and love and whatnot. So, um, yeah, once you get to see Endgame, you know, let's chat about it. Much love to all, and I appreciate you listening to the podcast.